You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. Holy Spirit, I choose you. And I think there was something extra profound in what Joan shared, no matter what the cost. Because so often we choose Jesus, we choose something, but we always put our asterisks there. Terms and conditions apply. And as I said over the past couple of weeks, I want the life that some others have, but I'm not willing to share the cost that some others pay. Um, and the, the more I sacrifice, the more I say, here am I, Lord, use me, here am I, send me, I'm all yours, then suddenly he becomes all mine. Um, and the more that I, I raise up my hands in, in, in worship and in surrender, the, honestly, the more I find happiness and contentment and joy the more I have testimonies and the more I feel fulfilled. Here am I, Lord, send me. I choose you, Father God, no matter what the cost, in your beautiful name. Amen. And Gloria, isn't worship just awesome? Uh, I think we should have like a, a, a linger longer, just worship in the garden. Maybe we get a, a couple of other musos involved and we just bring picnic blankets and and we have, we have a Sunday morning where we have like a bring and share picnic and we have worship for like hours on end. And we just have hours and hours of worship and we eat together. And then we have, you know, um, yeah, maybe that's something that we can start to, to do. Are you cold there, Brachy? <laughs> so um, I, I was at a friend's birthday party, Yorick's last night and... It was just so good and glorious to be there with a whole load of people that I haven't seen for ages. I love it when I go to friends' birthday parties like that because I kind of feel that they've laid on something for me to be able to connect with all my friends. And I was speaking to um, Paul DeFin and saying, I need to go home um, and carry on building my fire pits for church tomorrow. And he said, that's such a bad party. You should just go home and pray for warm weather. <laughs> so, <laughs> for this morning, the weather, or for me, the weather is glorious. It's not that, that, that cold, but... Um, We've got the heaters if people want heaters, and we'll have the fire pits going if people need fire pits next week. I went out and bought all the pieces. So my fire pits are there in the woods there, and I thought I'd be e easy and use those um, gas things that you put into wood. So I went and bought the gas thing, and I got home, and I looked at it, and realized, no, I need a um, regulator. So then I went and bought regulators, then I got home, then I realized I need clamps. So it might take me a week or two to get it, but eventually we'll have, uh, we'll have it all sorted out. But it's, it's just really beautiful to be able to do worship like that and just to, you know, and Jeff was sharing this early on, uh, it's a life worth living. And I think that's what I really want, it's a life worth living. Um, sometimes I, I chicken out of it because of the sacrifice of the cost, but I, I really want a life worth living. And worship is when you're sharing about, you know, there's healing in your presence. There is power in your presence. There's wholeness in your, in your presence. Um, and the reality, friends, is our nation, the world, needs healing. The world needs wholeness. The world needs hope. The world needs the power. And all of that comes when his believers, his disciples, full of the Holy Spirit, because we have it all, we have this glorious divine union in us, and we go and we take the presence of Holy Spirit into the communities that we go into. And as we do that, we're not just taking the presence of Holy Spirit, but we're taking healing and wholeness. 
we're taking hope and restoration. And this morning I'm wanting to to share um, and my message this morning is entitled Where Where Justice Begins. And I feel totally inadequate in being able to, to share on this. It's 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 a it's a topic that I think needs to be shared and sometimes you, you feel I can do this. Sometimes you, you, you buoyant by a testimony. Sometimes you have a personal revelation and you have victory in your life and you say, yes, I want to share out of a sense of victory and, and that's an ama- amazing thing. But sometimes you share out of a sense of actually this is just something we need to hear. This is something we need to have. This is something we need to learn. This is something we need to, to identify with. And so as dad of this house, as leader in a community, I feel that a, a topic on social justice needs to, be, to be, be shared. And as God pours out His Spirit on the church, we have direct access to Him. And Jesus is our, our hope. And I just want to try and change this a, a fraction if I can. No, and, oh, and, oops, getting all tied up here. And so I, I was sharing, I think it was last week, about being fishermen. And we, we have to be fishermen. Fishermen have to go to where the fish is. You know, 101 of like, duh, let's, let's go fishing. The, the dummy's guide to, fish, to fishing is go with this fish. And we have to go, we have to take the presence of Holy Spirit to where the Holy Spirit is needed the most. If we want to impact our world, we have to go to where the world needs to be, be Im- impacted. Um, Jeff is also sharing that nothing's impossible and we get empowered to do what the world thinks is impossible but the reality is in him all things are impossible and how often do you and I think actually I can't do that that's impossible or it's impossible for me or it's only possible for others but Holy Spirit says no everything is possible for those who are in Christ Jesus and so this morning I want to say actually you and I it is possible as part of our mandate as part of our calling as part of who we are to be able to go and take a divine social justice the justice of heaven into community so the communities around us are healed and whole and doing better it's to be able to undo what the tower of babel did when all the nations were coming together to try and reach god when the nations and the people come together to try and be god and God divided them and they all end up speaking different languages and became defragmented. Bar was where the people were trying to access God and the reality is we have direct access to God. So all races, all colors, all languages, all people groups, all of us now have direct, perfect, glorious access because of who we are and what Jesus has done for us. It's no longer a defragmented community. It's no longer a defragmented People group. It's no longer defragmented language, although like you know, you 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 would be part of the group of people that believe that heaven is the that that Afrikaans is the the heaven of tall, you know. But the reality is now we have the language of heaven, we have the language of one, we have the language of what Holy Spirit does. One language, one Holy Spirit, one love. The beautiful redemption of salvation, what Jesus has done for us uniting us in purpose, uniting us in power, uniting us in Holy Spirit. And so 2,000 years later, unfortunately, the church and the community and the world is more divided than ever before. This week we had the, the culmination of the George Floyd trial, where Derek Chauvin was um, 
found guilty of the of the murder and i'm just watching this and on the news and there's just so much more that is happening i'm saying oh holy spirit we have to be a people group we have to be a group of men and women who are able to go and bring something different that we bring hope and not division that we can stand up with a banner that jesus christ loves and jesus christ unites hey we are a people united in who we are the world is so defragmented and we are the people we are called to bring unity to it and friends, it's not just the, the racial issues, it's, it's highlighting the social issues, it's highlighting gender-based violence, it's highlighting poverty, it's, what, it's highlighting what is happening in our own nation, the prejudice of what is happening around us. And it's not just what's happening in America, it's not just happening in South Africa, it's not just happening in Johannesburg, it's happening all around the world. The world is crying out for something different and they're not getting it by and large in the right place because the church needs to rise up and shine and say we are the solution we are the answer Jesus in us the hope and glory is the answer that the world is looking for the world is reeling at the moment and the world is stuck in the place of despair and they need a savior and so this morning I'm wanting to, to, to try and do my best to, to bring what I feel is something of the heart of God. And I don't want to be presumptuous. I hope I can, I can do it in a sense of humility and say, this is what I feel some of the heart of God is for this season. And God is a God of justice. And sometimes we think, God, I want your justice because somebody has wronged me. God, I want your justice because you need to go and fight for my cause because they don't understand me and they spoke badly about me and they put a, a bad social media post. I mean, I, I, I get all of that. But I want, to, I want to partner with the God of justice. I'm not just saying, Holy Spirit, won't you come into my realm? Won't you come and fix the, the, the injustices that have plagued me? But Holy Spirit, how can I partner with you, the God of justice, to go out and bring a solution to our community and to our nation how can friends how can we be the the, the the kind of church and how can we therefore be the kind of people how can we be the kind of friends with the passion and the purpose of joining together with a god of justice and so i want to put my terms and conditions and my disclaimers up front first i honestly don't feel adequate in being able to speak on so many of these issues I am a white, privileged man. I have some friends of color. I don't have enough friends of color. I had no friends of color growing up. I have no idea what it is to live as a teenager in a multiracial world. It is just not part of my upbringing. Yet as a pastor, as a father, as an apostolic leader in our community and in our nation, I think I still have a responsibility regardless of my so-called inadequacies I have a responsibility to address these things and so I'm going to do my, my best to share something I think is the heart of God and secondly we don't react to what's happening in culture and I said this before we don't just react to things because because we can react to poverty we can, we, we can feel our heartstrings tugged. I need to dish out money. I need to go and do something. A building burns down. I've got to go and, and, and react to it. But we need to respond with the with kingdom of heaven. We need to respond in partnership with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what is it that you do? And I can respond with your heart. I can respond with the heart of God into a situation, into a community, into what you are doing. And that comes from becoming a 
people who are more and more living from His presence. And it's just so amazing. That's what tied in with worship this morning. In your presence, there is peace. In your presence, there is love. In your presence, there is hope. In your presence, there is justice. Holy Spirit, let me administer justice from being found in your presence and being anchored in your word. We have to be anchored in the word. And we need to live it out in community. And we cannot do this in isolation. The more we want to impact, the more we want to achieve, the more breakthrough we want, the more we have to do it in community. As you respond to what's happening in culture, we have to ask what is the narrative of God in this situation? What is the lens of Scripture? What is the voice of Holy Spirit? And is it being confirmed in the community around us? It has to be confirmed in the community rights. Otherwise, we are all isolated, lone soldiers, going out, shooting from the hip and trying to do our best. And we get burnt out, we get bent out of shape, we get battle fatigue, and eventually give up. But do you in the community, what God have you called this community to in this season, that together we can go and demonstrate and be the voice of God, the voice of justice. Your security how, how, how do we know when things are, are anchored in God? What's our security? How do we know that we are doing the right thing? How do we know that we, we're not going on tangents? And sometimes people say, well, I found this in Scripture. And I'm wanting with all humility and honesty to say, sometimes fighting in Scripture doesn't make it right. Sometimes we can justify things by Scripture. We can find Scripture to, 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 to find our cause. And sometimes just the season is not right for what we are doing at the moment. We can ask Holy Spirit. I, I, God told me this, and I said before, when, when it's just you and Holy Spirit, I'm convinced that it's the beginning of a cult. You can't say to me, Holy Spirit told me to do this, and therefore I'm going solo. I'm going to go do this on my own. God told me I don't have to be involved with church. God told me I don't need accountability. God told me I don't need anybody around me. God told me I can go marry that woman. God told me I can do this with my finances. God told me, if there's no accountability in community, I'm saying that you are on very dangerous grounds. Our security comes from knowing that it's rooted in Scripture, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and it is fleshed out through accountability and family. When I'm anchored in the narrative of God, the God of justice, when I'm led by the Holy Spirit, when the voice of God in me becomes the voice of God to the community, when it's confirmed by the community voice, then I know that I'm hearing the heart of God. Friends, we can't be a community that reacts. We'll be burnt out, we'll be broken, and we'll be bankrupt. There is so much that if we just react to the things around us, we can go off on tangent. And so we have to be a people like Jesus who stoop before we stand. <laughs> so that when we stand, what we stand for counts. We have to be a group of people who are found in His presence. When we stoop before we stand, we can give a kingdom response rather than a stew reaction. And for some of us, we're just more volatile. For some of us, we go in something to the wall. We just go in like, you know, we, we can go and do this. But Holy Spirit, what is it? We need to be in for, for, for the long term. We need to be able to say actually to the community, we're going to look after you. 
as I said before, with discipleship, it's, not, it's being able to say, what is your story? How can I get to know you? I'm not wanting to get to know you over a week to get a notch in my belt. I'm wanting to understand you. What is the long-term thing? The long-term thing is Holy Spirit's called us to relationship. I'm going to build with you. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to shop with you. I'm going to do life with you so that we can do kingdom together. And if we're going to just react, we'll give up after a week or after two weeks or after three. I see so many things. I see so many ministry opportunities. I see so many people say, this is what God's called me to. And I think God sometimes must be so schizophrenic. Because three weeks later, three months later, what, what's God do? No, God changed his mind. I'm doing something different. No, God's changed his mind. No, I thought it was God, but God, you know, God told me, you know, and I'm going, no, we have to do things for the long term. And sometimes we, we, we do meander as we go along. We're helping in this way, we're helping that way, but we have a vision. We have a sense. God, where is it that you're taking me for the long term? Who are you calling me to, to, invest, to invest in? Thirdly, just talking on the issues, I feel that you are walking through a field of landmines. If we start to talk about race and gender-based violence, if we start to talk about oppression and the poor and crime and corruption and all these things, you're automatically walking through a landmine. I know that some things I'm going to say are going to offend someone. And if I don't say something, I'm going to offend someone. So I'm just wanting to, to say, let, let grace abound as we move into what has the potential to be a a difficult but an honest conversation of the God of justice. Because I'd rather speak up, I'd rather speak the heart of God than say nothing at all. And last week I was saying that we need to be willing and available, i.e. we need to be intentional with what we are, are doing called to. And so I'm going to start this week, I'll carry, I'll, I'll carry on next week and we just see how it goes. And so I want you to use a couple of stories and examples. The first one is from Exodus 1 verse 8. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build their, their cities. They oppressed them. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and to do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, plotted to murder the sons of Israel. And so we have a new king who comes to town. We have new leaders. We have new administrations. We have new governments. We have new people who come into the situation. And the new king did not know Joseph. He did not know the favor of God over the people of Israel. He didn't know their story. He didn't know their testimony. He didn't know their victories. He didn't know their calling. He didn't know their gifting. He didn't know their favor. He didn't know what was going on in their community and in their lives. And because of a sense of ignorance, because he didn't know, and he had no understanding of God's favor over their, com over their community, when he moved in, he saw them as a threat. 
instead of championing them, instead of saying, I want to, I see God in this situation. I see hope. I see victory. I see so many good things. I'm wanting to come in as a new person on the block and I'm wanting to come in and to champion your cause. He was threatened by the things that he knew nothing of. And so he threatened them. He started to minister and operate out of a sense of fear. And he became tremendously insecure. Friends, how often do we minister? How often do we operate? How often do we live out of a sense of fear? How often do we become insecure and frustrated? How often do we not see God working in a situation because we don't know or understand the people, the communities, the situation that is out there. For me, it is more often than not. I can drive through a city, I can drive through a community, and I can dish out judgment in my mind because of the ignorance I have. I've never walked in their shoes. He created a scheme to oppress them. He created a scheme to murder them off. Nexus 2 verse 23, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. The king died. Life had carried on and because of what had happened, the people continued to groan under the burden of oppression that had been brought over them in the past and they cried out for help. And their cries rose up to God, and God heard their cry. One of the first things I want to share this morning is God heard their cries, and God hears your cries. And when I'm sharing this morning, I'm sharing the context of social, racial, gender, poverty, oppression, destruction, issues. But I wanted to say that God hears our cries and our injustice could just be the injustice of the church. It could be the injustice of people not understanding me, people not understanding my story, people not understanding my needs, people not understanding where I am, people not understanding my sense of, of lack, of loneliness, of frustration, of isolation, of hurt, of divorce, of betrayal, of bereavement. And so the God of justice wants to come and meet all of us in these situations, not just the national and the community, but he wants to come and meet your and my sense of injustice. And justice begins with hearing. God acts or moves once he's heard. This is why Jesus could stand with people in their cause. Jesus could stand with people in the situation and circumstance because Jesus learned to sit with them in their pain and in their hurt. Friends, how often is the church, how often as believers, do we want to go in and, and find and fix a problem before we're willing to sit with people in their pain and in their hurt and get to understand them? The God we serve is not a God who jumps into reaction. He hears the cries of his people and he stoops to meet them face to face, eye to eye. Jesus had meals. He spent time in their presence. He got deep down and dirty with people. He fed them. He demonstrated a love and a commitment to people. 
before he brought the answers and the solution. That's why one of our great, one of my greatest values and the values of the church, of real life church, is that we call to love people. It's God's job to change people. Otherwise we can react. I will change you. I see something in you. I will change you. I will make you more like me. And say, actually, I'm going to love you with the kingdom of heaven so that you become more like Jesus. It's not just hearing. It's hearing to, to respond. It's not just hearing. It's hearing to listen. And like Brian has taught me how to do uh, Margot therapy and that. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I was in my 40s before I had to go for counseling to learn how to listen. You know, as a father of three and a whole load of extras, I've mastered the art of hearing but not listening. And I'm trying to change and say, Lord, let me listen to hear so that I can understand. And I still go for counseling and, and help and everything because listening is one of the most vital tools that we have. And I believe so many of us get it wrong. But if we listen to hear and we hear to understand and we understand to make a difference, our relationships, our lives and our outreach, our discipleship, our fishing will become vastly different and it'll look so different. Friends, I would suggest that the world is crying out in pain and hopelessness and we miss the cries of the community. And sometimes it's because we just don't listen and sometimes because of our own conspiracy theories, our own prejudices, our own hurt and pain. You know, I, I had to apologize last Sunday morning and say sometimes my hurt and pain causes me to, to, to put out something out of a sense of frustration and not out of a sense of, of love and wanting to honor and prefer people. I was hugely grieved in the past 10 days, because 10 days ago, a grade 10 pupil in Limpopo, in Limpopo committed suicide because she had been bullied by school. It had been videoed by her friends and posted on social media, and she couldn't cope. And so she took her own, own life. I don't know who took the video, I don't know who shared the video, but as I was saying last week, it's the modern day equivalent of stoning. We'll all repost, we'll all tweet, we'll all like, we'll all do something, but none of us take responsibility because we all stoned the person, but we take no accountability for the cost. Friends, the God of justice is, going to, is call, calling us to take responsibility for social media, what we post, what we like, and what we don't like. I'm so thrilled that even in the United Kingdom at the moment, most of the football clubs are boycotting social media. The football players are boycotting social media. The clubs are boycotting social media to say we are going to take a stand to ensure that no social media that we're involved with is going to be responsible for furthering racial intolerance and hatred. Are we as careful on our social medias? I think John is one of the only people I know who hasn't posted a negative social media Facebook post in years. He just doesn't have Facebook. <laughs> and so some of the, the, the football players are d disengaging and deactivating their accounts at the moment just so that they're, they're making a stand. Let's take a stand in, in that, a bit of a tangent. One of the most important spiritual and redemptive things that we can do is to 
fast. No, thank you. It's uh, no, 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 no. We, 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 we're not a great community of fasting when it comes to certain things. We fast against negativity and we fast for kingdom breakthrough and things like that. But, but I understand the benefits of fasting and I've, I've just done two four-day fasts. Um, so I understand that. But I'm not fasting to, to change God's arm or to, or to manipulate God or do things like that. For me, fasting is let's just fast from the negative so that we can have more positive in our lives. And, um, and, and another tangent, no extra, no extra, extra charge. But one of, the most, one of the most spiritual and redemptive things that we can do is to become a people who listen. Who can become a people who can hear. And again, I was saying this a couple of weeks ago. I'm trying to get into the habit when people ask me for my advice to say, please can I come back to you tomorrow? My thing is I then need to put in my diary and remember to go back to the people tomorrow. Because, you know, I, I'm trying to fix one, po- by, by fixing one problem and creating another one for me. But we can't just go, I'm just going to react. I'm just going to, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to go and stoop and stand. And then I'll come back and give you some perspective. And so we need to be a, be a group of people who are able to hear, hear the cries of our community. <coughs> Excuse me. Can we slow down long enough to hear God's heart in a situation. If God is hearing a cry in the community, I want to hear the same cry in the community. I want to be so in tune with Holy Spirit that I go, Lord, I can hear how your heart is aching. I can hear how your heart is breaking for something. Won't you allow me to partner with you? Won't the cries that you hear become the cries that I hear? Beyond the rioting and the looting, there is a people who are crying. Behind the division and the destruction, there is a people who are crying. Behind the broken and the bullying, there are people who are crying. Behind the religious and the political spirits, there are people who are hurt and broken and crying. Oh, Holy Spirit, won't you make us a group of people, won't you make us a church who are committed to hearing the cry of your people? In Exodus 2 verse 24, God heard their moaning and he remembered the covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. The God of justice doesn't just hear the cry. The God of justice sees the cry. He is drawn into the injustice. He moves beyond the cry to see the face of the people. We can't just hear the cry from a distance. We've got to be moved by the cry into the presence of the community to be able to see what it is that is tugging at the heart of God. Nehemiah heard about the cries of the people in Jerusalem. He heard the cries and he wept and he responded and said, I'm going to go and walk amongst them. Friends, when last did we go and walk amongst those that are crying out? When did we give up our time to go and walk amongst those that are crying out? Justice is something we hear, but justice is also something we must see. 
God doesn't hide his face from suffering and pain and injustice. God doesn't miss a thing. He is a God who hears and he is a God who sees. And if we want to have the heart and the mind of Christ, we have to be a people who hear and a people who see. In Genesis in Genesis 16, it's quite strange. I was writing this during the course of the weekend, and we always say people fall pregnant, and I'm, try, I'm like, why do we say that? It's not as if she tripped and like, oh my goodness, what happened to you, girl? You know. So Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah are, are, are trying to get pregnant, and then Sarah fell pregnant. They're like, no, delete. So Sarah got, um, uh, and I, 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 I was just wrestling with the terminology of this, but but the gist of it is in Genesis 16, Abraham and Sarah are trying to get pregnant. Sarah can't get pregnant, so she gives Hagar to her husband Abraham, and says, I can't get pregnant. You have. Hagar. And so Abraham sleeps with Hagar and Hagar becomes pregnant. I settle on. So, so she becomes pregnant. And when Hagar is pregnant, Sarah becomes so jealous. Now sometimes we go, oh Lord, here is a situation, here's the circumstances, here is the solution. And then we, 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 we engage in something and it doesn't work out the way that we want it. Even though we were part of the planning and the initiation and the instigating of it. And then we get frustrated. Lord, I wanted you to bless them, but now you bless them far more than you're blessing me. And so I'm going to become miffed. I'm going to become upset with that situation and it's just so unfair and so I'm going to come now and come against all the things that you asked me to pray for all the things you asked me to do because the favor on that person's life is more than the favor on my life I get so frustrated when God blesses other churches more than he blesses our church I get did I say that out loud I get so frustrated when other people have greater victories than I have and sometimes I've got to say actually Lord I am absolutely blessed with my lot but she gets so frustrated that, she dis- that Sarah despises Hagar. She treats her with utter contempt. Oh Lord, let us never be a people who treat others with utter contempt, even when we see your hand move in a situation, because the way that you move is different the way that we wanted you to move. And it got the situation where Hagar had to leave and flee and go off into the wilderness. And God meets Hagar in the wilderness. For most of us, we look at Genesis 16 and go, this is a story about Abram and Sarah, who couldn't fall pregnant. We'll go on to her age and all these things. And, 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 and we remember it. This is a, a, a situation where of Abraham and of Abram and Sarah and falling pregnant and everything. But it's a, also a story of how God meets Hagar in the wilderness where God goes and meets somebody in their place where they've been exiled to where they've had to run or fear where they are the rejects where they are not embraced by the community this Egyptian woman encounters the kindness of God in the wilderness when God sends an angel to meet her need this is a foreigner this is a woman of color who's been extradited sent out into the wilderness she is in a place of depravity and desperation 
and God meets her there. God sends an angel. Friends, are you and I willing to be an angel in inverted commas? To go to a woman of color in the wilderness to remind her of the call of God over her life? That although her people, although the people around her have rejected her and put her in isolation, have kicked her out of the community, are we willing to go to depressed and despondent people of color who are outside of their community to go and remind them of the love of God over them. And the amazing is God meets her in the wilderness and God says, you're going to have a son and you're going to name your son Ishmael. And Ishmael means God hears. And it's amazing. God says, you're going to have a son and your son's going to be Ishmael and that means God hears. And it's amazing because God is saying, I hear you. I understand with you. And he sent an angel to say, I actually see you. And not only does God name her son, this is quite bizarre, she names God. You know, we all know that, you know, God names this and that and gives and changes people's names and Saul, uh, Saul becomes poorly, etc. And, but she names God. She says, she names God and she names him God the one who sees me. Not just God the one who sees. She says, I name you God the one who sees me. And I'm wanting to declare over everyone this morning, those of you who are online, those of you who are with us this morning, wherever you are in your place of wilderness, where you, because of your, 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 your whatever it is, where you've been isolated and sent out into the wilderness by the community that are supposed to love you, that God has sent you this morning, I am the God that sees you. I see the person. I see the person. I see the lady. I see the lady of color. I see the lady that's been ostracized. I see the lady who's pregnant by another man. I see the lady who's been ostracized by, by, by the woman who's supposed to be taking care of her. God is the God who sees me. I'm going to try and wrap this section up. At the end of Judges, there, there's this dark and horrid scene. And, you know, the, the book of Judges just seems to go from bad to worse. You know, um, and, Samson, and there's a scene where there's a, a man from the tribe of, of Levi and he goes to the city um, Gebir with his, with his mistress. And late at night, the troublemakers from the tribe of Benjamin come to this house and they walk around the house and they're antagonistic and they're creating issues and everything like that. And, and they demand the man comes out because they want to sleep with the man. So we already know that this is not a good situation. This is not like, a, you know, this is horrid. And so the, the, the people from the tribe of Benjamin surround the house and they're troublemakers and they're causing hassles and they're trying to like get the man out. And the man knows that they just want to get him out because they're going to abuse him, they're going to torture him, they're going to rape him, they're going to, you know, the uh, uh, unimaginable things are going to happen to him. And so he won't come out. And I get that, but what does he do? He doesn't come out, but he sends his mistress out. He pushes her out the door, you know. And instead of coming out, he sends her out. And so these, these, these troublemakers, these people from the tribe of Benjamin, they, they abuse her. They rape her all night to the extent that by morning she is dead on his doorstep. These are not the stories that we should be reading in church. These are the stories that we should rush over and move on with. But it made him so upset that he takes her body, and I don't know how many of you watched Dexter, 
but he takes her body and he cuts the body up into body parts into at least 12 body parts this is gruesome this is a man who locked his mistress out she was raped until she was dead he then cuts her body into 12 pieces and sends the 12 pieces to the 12 tribes of Israel and when the people saw an arm, a leg, a thigh, a torso, a head. They were so upset. They were stirred for justice. They were awakened to God's sense, God's heart, God's compassion for justice for the people. That 400 men gathered for war that day. When they saw what is happening, justice is something we hear and justice is something we see. And once we've heard and once we've seen, if we have the heart and the mind of God, a God of justice, we stand up and we say, we are going to war. It's not a passage for Sunday morning. It's not a passage for, for a feel-good factor. We'd rather not read these passages. We'd rather gloss over them, not share them, move over them. Why? Because they are inconvenient for me. I would rather share on the multiplications of fish and loaves and then say, let's go and have lunch and trust for the lemon meringue to multiply than talk about an abused woman who is raped until death and her body parts scattered around the nation. When I see injustice, sometimes it is far easier for me to turn the page and to move on. When I hear of women who are abused, it's easier for me to turn the page and move on. When it becomes uncomfortable, when it becomes painful, I don't always want to engage. But friends, there are people in our community who are living with this pain. There are people who live with this heartache. How convenient it is for me to turn a page and to move on where these people cannot turn the page because it is their reality. We have to hear until we see. We have to see until we are moved. And when we are moved, let us be moved by the heart and the narrative of God himself and do what God has called us to do. And when something shifts and moves because we have both heard and seen, we get to do the most amazing things. We get to bring hope and life, health, healing, wholeness, victory, breakthrough, understanding, restoration through the redemptive person of Jesus Christ. Friends, a small part of us getting together and why my heart is that we meet in person and not just online. And we have the benefit of doing community and church outside in the fresh air. But a part of us getting together is that we understand one another's stories. We have to hear 
and we have to see people as not okay to just listen to a podcast it's not okay just to watch the TV to download the newspaper to read that is what is happening we will never see and understand the heart and the compassion of Father God a valuable part of us having tea and coffee and milk tart and homemade bread and um, the fat cook and mince and everything from last year the, the beauty of all of that and I just love it but part of that is building community refreshments and tea and coffee and breakfast and lunch isn't an excuse to make you stay longer it's an opportunity for us to get to know one another to hear one's story to hear and to see so that we can have the compassion of King for one another. Will we know who's not here this morning because they are in a challenging place that we can hear and see and pray for them. The testimonies that we have this morning where we hear and see and it's not just hearing what Joan brings on a Sunday morning but when you hear what Joan brings and you can see Holy Spirit all over her you moved by what she says to say, Father God, I too, full of Holy Spirit, want more and I'm willing to sacrifice to get it. Are we willing to sacrifice as individuals and as a community to see and to hear so that we can be a people who understand the nuances of the heartbeat of heaven and can be a people who bring love and justice and wholeness to our community and to our nation. It's more than just a refreshment. It's the redemptive nature of community. It's a restorative beauty of community. It's the radical unification of community. It should be real community. In Jesus' most beautiful name, Amen and Glory. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for listening. 